You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Inside the Man Box. I am Rick Fry. We're brought to you by Oneness Ministries, grace-based, hope-filled, spirit-led counseling, teaching, and life coaching. To learn more about us, go to our website at oneness-ministries.org. Also, Marshall Fence, the premier residential and commercial fence company in the Oklahoma City metro area. Contact them at 405-691-1191 or visit their website at marshallfence.com. Got a great guest today. Uh, I guess we'll see how great he really is. But Yes. <laughs> uh, my guest is a friend and uh, be training for Oneness Ministries, sort of. Yes. Um, Clint Young. Thank you for joining us, Clint. Uh, thanks. It's fun to be here. Yeah. Well, anything exciting in Clint Young's life? Well, I just have to say it was fun watching you do it because I've listened to a lot of the podcast. Oh, have you? And so I like know your little spill you get beforehand. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, now I get to see the man in action. Well, we've, you know, a little spill is the correct, but we like to call it an intro. Okay. That's the official <laughs> term. <laughs> so I don't know what we're going to talk about today. I don't have anything yeah, planned. I don't have anything planned. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> the end. The end. <laughs> Um, give me a, give us a history lesson on Clint Young's life. Okay. Well, uh, I'm one of five kids and grew up in a, in a loving Christian home. Wasn't a perfect home like any home. Um, some of our background in church, since we're, this is a Christian podcast, I would suppose. Um, it is, indeed. <laughs> uh, we were raised in a church that became very legalistic as we were there. And it. Wait a minute. It's, did it start out not being legalistic and became legalis- legalistic? I would say it just got progressively worse and worse and worse okay. as it went, okay. as it seems to happen. Yep. Anyway, so just growing up in that environment, it, it affected me a lot because there wasn't a lot of relationship taught. Um, in fact, one of the things that I remember is that we were told if you ever visit a church and they say God is love, you should run. So, did they I, say why? Uh, it's just that that wasn't true, <laughs> which sounds retarded to me it, now. It but does, yeah. Anyway, so you know, I grew up in that. We were um, homeschooled and part of a homeschool community that went down a pretty pretty dark road of um, legalism and moralism and all that. And so that had a pretty profound effect on me. And, you know, I, I don't say any of that to down my family or anything. My parents were trying to make the best choices sure. for us. And I'm grateful for that because, sure. um, you know, it made me who I am today. But from that, I just found myself going down some dark roads and not knowing how to deal with things, normal man things to deal with. And because there wasn't really a way to to deal with them other than just get over it and confess and be better, you know. You know, you use the term dark roads. And I think, I think God uses contrasts to build us. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that you would, I think it's unfortunate that you went down a dark road, but now you're able to recognize the dark road because of the light road you're on now. Yes. So I think that's kind of, um, I think it's kind of cool 
that God trusted you enough to sit, let you go down that dark road because he knew what he had for you in the future. Yeah, now I see it as a blessing. Yeah. And it's the passion that fires me to to help other people not experience that or if they have experienced that, to experience something different of Jesus. So, sure. Anyway, so uh, that brought me, those roads brought me to a place of seeking some help and uh, ended up getting some help and some one-on-one counseling and some classes and some different stuff that really helped me start to be able to believe that God was something different than what I had experienced and been taught. Did you do all of that, those classes and counseling at Scope Ministries? Uh, most of them were at, at Scope. I um, developed a, a really good friendship with uh, Bruce Bartow, who uh-huh. used to be the president there. Right. And that's where I met you originally. That's right. And um, Bruce just took a special interest in me for whatever reason. And um, we just had a mentoring friendship. Um, I mean, we went to breakfast a lot. We met in his office. And he just, he never pushed me, but he just kept telling me the truth. And eventually I was able to start to let the walls down. Amen. And um, Bruce was really good at speaking truth. Yeah. Probably still is. I haven't talked to him in a while. (laughs) He's very good at interpreting and speaking truth. Yeah, he was a very constant in my life for several years to help walk out of the places. And he had been some of those places, so he had experience as well as just being constant there. I mean, I remember calling him at 9 o'clock at night because I was, you know, under all this combination or whatever I was feeling from something I had failed at. And he would talk to me for an hour and, you know, now I look back and I was like, oh, he was the president of the ministry and all this (laughs) stuff, but he never, he never put that across to me that, and anyway, so that was a huge step for me and, and learning what it meant to, to have an identity in Christ. We all owe a lot to scope ministries. Yes, we do. And I want to say that. I want to say that. I want to say how much I owe to Scope Ministries for me to be able to where I to be where I am today. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of truth. Be transformed. Class mm-hmm. was um, was life altering, mm-hmm. but it was really the one on one relationship that I developed um, that was helped walk me through it. Yeah. So. So now you're how long you have a business of your own? Yes. Tell I us have. about that. Yes, I have a window cleaning, brush washing business that that I run, and um, I well, I say run, I do the work too. <laughs> <laughs> run. So, how many employees you got? Uh, me and some part time help every now and then. So, yeah, it's per, it's simple, and uh, which is good for me. So that's where I'm at, and um, it's it's been a really good learning experience as far as learning how to deal with different people. Um, people that come from a lot of different backgrounds that I was taught not to love and learning to love those people as they've actually, most of them have loved back, loved me more than I showed them love. And so it's been a, it's been a really good experience um, running a business and forming those relationships. Well, let's talk a a little bit about a mutual mutual friend that we lost recently. Yes. Um, And, Gosh, I, I, I did a podcast podcast for him just a few months before yes. he did pass. Um, I'm having a brain meltdown. 
Say his name. It's not age, is it, Rick? <laughs> it can't be. It can't be because I have the same problem. <laughs> Keith Gordon. Keith Gordon. Thank you. Keith, man, I miss that guy. Yeah, I do too. It's hard. And you've stepped in as yes. interim pastor of that church? I have. It's. I've been doing it about three and a half, maybe going on four months now. Yeah. And uh, it's been a wild ride. I've... You know, Keith and I had a similar relationship to what Bruce and I had. Um, he kind of stepped into my life, at, you know, um, about five years ago, we started right after my wife and I got married. We were looking for a church and ended up in his church. And uh, I knew that he had been involved in taking some classes at Scope and had met him through a job was, I had had in the past. Yeah, he and, was on the board of directors yeah. at Scope for a while. And so we just fell in love with the community there. In Crescent, Oklahoma, and um, then just had a really tight relationship with Keith. And so when the church approached me about doing filling in for him, I, it was really a, it was a big honor. Wow, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, tell me about some of the things you learned from Keith. Oh wow, that's a that's that, a big one. <laughs> Going to take the whole hour. Yeah. Um, man, one thing that. I think the biggest takeaway that most people would would have from Keith is that when you met him, you met somebody that was very personable. Um, yes. You wouldn't know that you met a pastor, and I'm saying that there's no video here in air quotes. Air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> Please put in air quotes into the podcast now. <laughs> but he was just, he was real, he was genuine, mm-hmm. and um, he loved people well, and um, he was the first to tell you he wasn't perfect but he loved well and that's what people connected with. And he had a, had a passion for sharing the truth and setting people free. And, you know, as, as he, you know, got more sick with the cancer and stuff, it was, it's hard in some ways to remember him this way, but I remember him jumping up and clicking his heels during a sermon because he was so excited about what he was saying and, and the freedom that had it brought him because he, he didn't, wasn't walking in that same place when he started pastoring that was something that he learned and experienced as he did that and so it was fun to see that passion that he had one of my fondest memories our observations is that keith was very serious about what he did but he didn't take himself seriously (laughs) he did not (laughs) he was he was able to joke about himself and see humor in a lot of stuff that went on around him Mm -hmm. yep yeah he was a great guy He was a great guy and now he's back to clicking his heels. Yes, definitely. I, <laughs> I'm sure Jesus is getting a kick out of him. <laughs> yep. So, um, how much? How, I'm forming questions, and the words start coming out before the questions formed. <laughs> how much time do you spend in a week um, working on a message or a sermon? What kind of what kind of stuff do you do to prepare for that? You know, that's been interesting because it's something that I hadn't done. Um, to go back a little bit, our family had had a music ministry for years, and we're still we were still doing it when I stepped into this. And um, so from that, I had started to develop a passion for teaching and for um, you know expressing these truths that God was showing me. 
So I would sometimes get these little five-minute opportunities while we were doing a service somewhere to share something that God had put on my heart. And I, something that I started learning about myself was that as much as I would try to think through and prepare something that I would want to say when it really came down to it, I would normally not say what I prepared to say. That's funny. I would maybe open up with one of the thoughts that I had, but a lot of times it wasn't even that. And I always wondered because... I felt like, you know, if you're going to preach a whole sermon or whatever, you got to have this like method for preparing. And, you know, I'd even asked Keith, like, would you teach me how you prepare a message? And somehow we were just not given that opportunity to really do that together um, until the very end, which was like a 20 minute conversation a few weeks before he passed away um, that we kind of talked through my first message. <laughs> and I think that was for a reason because I found that God has a, a way, at least at this step in my life, of um, I, it's really easy to get in my head in the preparing process. And I found that just taking the time to just be quiet and then I've just really been relying on the Holy Spirit um, when I ask what he wants me to teach on because I have a lot of things in my head that I want to say or wish I could say, but I really want to operate out of what he wants me to say that week. And so just getting quiet and trying to ask that. And sometimes he just randomly gives me these verses and I'll go look them up. And sometimes it's what on earth does that mean? And sometimes it's like, Oh, I see what you're saying. And honestly, a lot of times the bulk of the sermon is written in 20, 30 minutes. And I just feel like God just gives me a download sometimes of, and I'll go in and try to re rework it. And sometimes I just mess it up. Um, so yes, all in all, you know, maybe it takes eight hours or something for the preparing of, you know, doing your overhead and all that, all the silly stuff that goes with it. But it's just, it's where I'm at right now. And I don't know, there might be a time later down the road where it's more of a in-depth study of more things. Um, but right now, God's just been blessing me with, with just thoughts that I believe are coming from him. That's pretty cool. I remember, um, do you remember, do you know who Mike Wells? I don't think so. Mike Wells was a sort of itinerant preacher, he wrote several books, uh, Sidetracked in the Wilderness, and several others. I can't remember them right now. But I remember reading that he said he would prepare for a sermon mm. when he was preaching somewhere. But he always went in with an open hand because most of the time God changed <laughs> what he had planned to talk about. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's a great way to uh, prepare for uh, a speaking engagement or a sermon or a teaching place. Is yes, I have something prepared, but I'm also very willing to hear Holy Spirit in the moment and change what I'm going to say. Yeah, it's something I've experienced that I think is really fun. Is a lot of times as I'm working through my message, you know, yeah, I've got my iPad there with, you know, a couple of pages of notes or whatever, and I'll just be going along and stuff just comes. And, um, I'm, but at the same time, while I'm preaching, I'm not focusing. I'm just, I guess, being in the moment and not focusing on like, Oh God, give me something right now. What do you want me? What do you want me to say? So I think the notes help in that because, for me mentally, it gives me something that I know I can fall back on if, and so maybe I don't need them there so much, but it's, it's having thought through that. And I think most of the time it's about me, you know, when I either 
leading up to working on a message or sometimes right after I preach the message, <laughs> I get slammed with whatever it was and I'm tempted to do the thing that I just shared about. <laughs> not doing? <laughs> yeah, not doing. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, this is really more about God working in my life. And um, But that also brings, I believe, a personableness when you can have the freedom to share that with people like, hey, I don't get this either and I'm not, I don't have this all figured out, but this is what I feel like the Holy Spirit's showing me this week. And so it seems like people are responding to that. That happens in the counseling room a lot. Mm-hmm. Our, uh, of course, there's no way to prepare for a counseling. <laughs> um, we do an intake form and I get some idea of right. the presenting issue when they come in. But a lot of times I'll be sitting across from a guy and I'll, and I'll say this prayer. I said, God, I don't know what to say to this guy. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, thoughts, questions just start coming. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a guy will be talking, and this happened just last week. I'll write something down on a piece of paper, a thought. And then at the end, I'll say what I wrote, and this guy just melted. Oh, wow. He just melted. That that was exactly what he was dealing with but couldn't articulate it. So yeah. Holy Spirit allowed me to do it for him. Which is so amazing. It's yes. just an amazing... It's something you can't take credit for. I for cannot sure. take credit for. Yeah. The only thing I can take credit is I listened. Yeah. yeah. I think learning that, because I wasn't really ever taught, like, oh, this is how you listen to the Holy Spirit, or this is how... Yeah. And it's something that I wanted from a young age. We actually had a, f- a family friend that was a mentor to my parents that I knew that he heard the Holy Spirit. And I always wanted that, but I believed that I wasn't, would never reach the spiritual level to be able to experience that. And so to be able to experience that now, and it was, it was frustrating because sometimes I'm like, did I really hear right? And I question, and and I know it's not all plain as day. Uh, this side of eternity, you know, it's, right. you know, the Bible says it's going to, we're seeing through a glass dimly or whatever. So it's not, it's not always like, I know that I know that I know that I know. And, and sometimes it is. Yeah. Sometimes but. it is. But once you start saying that, then you don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Bruce Bartow is a guy who could hear spirit, could mm-hmm. hear Holy Spirit. And I always appreciate that about him. Yeah. So he was one of those guys who could do that. Um, washing windows and you're married yes a beautiful woman yep my wife jessica we've been married almost six years now and um we have two little girls uh one of them's eight months old and the other just turned two so yeah i'm i'm a busy person (laughs) person. tell us how you met jessica uh it was actually through our our singing uh and traveling uh, we were in South Mississippi singing at a, they called it a quartet convention, even though we were uh, more in the bluegrass country lane mm-hmm. of um, music. Uh, they they liked us there and um, met through some mutual friends down there. I was never, I'd actually, it's the first relationship I'd ever been in. I was 28 years old and um, just part of our growing up was more of a, wasn't a dating you, you know, uh, I'm not even, I'm drawing a blank now. I'm having a Rick moment. Uh, <laughs> the word <laughs> courtship. Horrible. Yeah, there you go. It was more, it was taught courtship, which, yeah. you know, I'm not opposed to the idea, but it was more of a not doing something just recreational, but 
but you know taking maybe I guess you would say a different approach to relationships and getting to know somebody so did she uh did you guys fall in love right away or did you have to win her um well I would say we fell in love right away because uh I met her on June 13th and we got married on September 24th oh my gosh of the same year yeah there's no courtship there yeah yeah so um, we got to know each other after we got married so (laughs) And we were four states away, so uh, when I walk, when uh, when we walked the aisle, you know, we had only met each other like face to face, I think, four times. So, which was quite a few in that short amount of time. Wow! But yeah, so it's you know we had things to learn and experience about each other that maybe other people would have known beforehand. But she's a very, very gracious person and very loving and. Um, I don't know. She's put up with me. We lived in an RV for four years and, uh, she still stayed with me. So, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't a new shiny one with slide house. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's a special woman. Yeah. Yep. That's a special woman that would live in an RV for four years. Yeah. And travel with her in-laws. So yeah, we lived on a bus, especially the first year that we were married. We lived on a bus a lot with, you know, there was, See, at that point, I guess there have been eight of us living on a... And two of you were newlyweds? Yep. Yeah. And so, which she had been raised, uh, her her family, her parents and grandparents, they had all had a music group and traveled. So she understood the lifestyle, but being thrown in with people you don't know in very tight quarters in the first months of your marriage, wow. are, um, she's hardcore. <laughs> Yes, that's interesting. Um, tell us about your girls. Oh boy, Six, they're eight months and two. Yes, they're they're bundles of joy for sure. They're um, what are their names? Our our two year old is uh, Kathleen, and she is uh, a lot of passion in them, that little girl. And she's <laughs> I don't know what God has for her, but she's going to go at it with passion and full throttle. She's very loving and. Um, she loves her little sister way more than her little sister wants to accept. <laughs> she smothers her with love, <laughs> but it's, it's really, it's cute to see her, her grow up. And then Aubrey Lynn is the eight month old and, you know, she's just at that. I've got two teeth and gives you that big old gummy grin and, you know, <laughs> daddy's the best and, oh, yeah. you know, so it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun stage of life. I'm enjoying it. Where do you see yourself? Um, where do you see yourself in a year? Interesting question. <laughs> I thought you were going to say five years. I was well, like, I'm an, any I'm prediction an... I've had of my life has not turned out <laughs> anything like I thought. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not, probably, probably going to draw a blank on that one. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, but a year. I mean, will you think you'll still be preaching? Do you? I know you're taking classes here. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what the next year is going to look like. I think there's, I think there's a lot that could happen. Um, I'm continuing to teach at the church and um, explore where that, where God takes that. Um, I have a desire for that and a, and a desire for, pe- you know, connecting with people and forming those relationships and them getting to experience the, Jesus. And so I think that's where my heart is. And um, so I'm just, Right now, I've, it's felt crazy. I'm just walking through the doors as, as they open in front of me, and it's been a little bit hard to know how to balance all that in my head. Um, I see nothing wrong with that. 
no. with that approach. Because we don't know. We don't know what tomorrow holds. I have plans, but <laughs> yeah, you know, they're, uh, they're my like, plans are normally about a week out. If that, <laughs> you can ask my wife. She's she's a mo- way more of a planner, and sometimes she's like, would you plan something? Yeah. And I was like, oh, my life is not normally very planned. <laughs> yeah. My wife is a planner as well, and so if she doesn't have a plan, um, we get one. <laughs> 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 I'm I'm trying to learn. Yeah. I'm trying to learn to be more a planned person. Yeah. So is the music part, do you think that's pretty much over um, for you? Yeah, I stepped down from it actually right after I um, started teaching at the church. I just, I know God's been tugging on my heart about that. And so I just, I felt like in order to be able to do that more fully, I needed to step down and, you know, as this virus thing and all that affected all that. Um, we weren't having the opportunities to travel like we were before. And so I just, it was hard. It was a hard conversation because we're, our family's very close and we had done this together for over um, probably 15 years, Wow. starting by leading music in a small church, which developed into traveling. And, um, so it's, it was, it was a hard conversation not because I didn't have their support, but because it's the end of a chapter um, for me. Um, not necessarily for them, but for me. And so, yeah, that was, it, it was hard. Are they still doing it? Um, I think they're in that, that stage of exploring what's it going to look like from here on out with the, you know, the way things have changed and travel has changed. And so, yeah, yeah, they're still doing their our weekly rehearsals and all that fun stuff that we did. So. I seem to recall seeing your parents um, cleaning windows. Had they worked for you in the past? Or? Uh, no, my, my dad actually started the window cleaning business when I was uh, about 12 or 13. Oh, so he started it. Yeah, he started a window cleaning business here in the city. And so I grew up learning that. We built the business together, you know, learning to make sales calls and all that. He was a fireman um, for I Oklahoma see. City. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as every fireman, they have to have a side job, especially if you have five kids. Yeah. Yeah. So he started that, and um, I worked for him for a long time. And he, you know, was teaching me how to run a business. And so he wanted me to have that opportunity to have something that he could pass on. And so, yes, he still, he has a window cleaning business in the city as well. So. Oh, so he's got his, yeah. his two separate businesses. Yes. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, so he... He still does that, and my other brothers and sisters, my younger brothers and sisters, work for him, and uh, as well as other jobs. So, yeah, it's a, it's still going. That's awesome. That's awesome. A lot of cleaning going on. <laughs> <laughs> we need it. Um, so you are now taking classes here at Oneness, and um, yeah, it was a terrible decision. Tell me why. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Because as a director, I probably need to know. No, I just I wanted that long silence. You know, it's terrible. It's terrible. I don't know why you guys even try. Why? What? What attracted you to? Um, this is kind of self-serving, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What attracted you to oneness? Well, it was the people, um, the relationships. Um, Pat Everett works here, and I had become friends with her through Scope Ministries and. Um, so when I heard that you guys were starting this ministry, I wanted to come check out and see what it was about. And I just, um, I love the environment. 
I feel like I told him a while back, I said, I feel like when I'm here, I'm with my people. And that's not necessarily because I know everybody deeply or I've known them for a long time, but it's a place that I can feel safe to talk about the things that I'm exploring with Jesus. And I, I don't have to feel like I have to explain myself. So where people, if I'm talking about God's grace and how I see it, I don't have to wonder like, well, are people thinking that I'm saying, just go live like a heathen. God's going to love you anyway, which is true. You can go live like a heathen. God's going to love you anyway, but some people get kind of freaked out and think that, think that you're saying something that you're not because it really is about a relationship with Jesus and the freedom that we can have with that. So when I'm here, I feel like I'm, I'm with my people and I can, I can express those things and not, I don't think about, well, I wonder if that person's taking me (laughs) the way that I mean this. So interesting, interesting thing about what you just said is that we are free from sin, but we also have the freedom to sin. But at this point in the relationship, I don't want to. Right. That's the difference. Yeah. And it's hard to get there in our heads because we want to say, oh, no, 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 no. That's what they're saying. And the truth that God had to show me is, yeah, you're free to sin. And I tried that and it didn't work. Yeah. So why would you want to? Now the freedom that I see, um, because you hear people talk about stuff like messy grace and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't think that's really grace. I think when grace is and freedom is to be able to look sin in the eye and say, don't need that. (laughs) And it's not, you know, it's not, it's not, it has to be this self-effort thing where I buckle down, but it's really just realizing that what I have is so good. Why do I, why do I need that? And sometimes you look sin in the face and you do it. True. (laughs) And and, um, the good news is, is that the cross worked. Yes. And that sin is as forgiven as the other ones that I committed yesterday. Correct. And so I've been there, done that, got a t-shirt mm-hmm. and I am free. Yes. And I live in that freedom as do you. I'm ashamed of some things that I've done in the past, <laughs> but I do not live in shame. That's a I totally live. different way of yep. viewing our relationship with God. And it's, that's, that's what I'm passionate about. Cause like, I've, I've been, I feel like I've been down the legalistic road a long ways and I don't want other people to experience that. And sometimes when I try to share the things I've experienced, I feel like everybody just looks at me cross-eyed and like, what kind of psycho world did you grow up in? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that it's more real and in a lot of our lives than we realize, because it really does come down to our, how we, how we view God and how we view the that he sees us and it sounds really sometimes really simple but it really is and he loves us so much and I mean if he can look at the disciples and watch them make mistakes and he kept loving them and he gave them we were talking in our study today about Peter and how Jesus told him you know he was going to be the rock that the church was built on and that was before the denial of Jesus that was before all that and Jesus knew all that was coming and um, when you see that and you see the humanity of the disciples and the relationship you have with Jesus, you know, we have a chance here because <laughs> we are very human. Yep. I don't, do you, have you watched any of The Chosen? I actually haven't. I need to look that up. Everybody keeps saying you oh need to go watch gosh. it. So. It just puts into, you get to visualize what you just said, yeah. that Jesus called these guys. They were rough. They were... Um, 
not nice guys and and just like you and me mm-hmm. and Jesus called them knowing who they were and what they were doing at the time yes. and yet he called them anyway and walked with them for a long time letting them watch him letting them see him and not preaching at them yes he did the very thing he did the very thing that you and I are talking about he spent his time building the relationship yeah yeah we were actually talking today about like I said about Peter and we're talking about the difference of his life after the Holy Spirit came. And one of the things that was brought up in our class was like, you know, want to say, well, it was the Holy Spirit coming on him and that's when it was different. But something that I felt like God was showing me was it was those years of relationship plus the Holy Spirit there because I've seen, you know, whatever church we can grow up and sometimes it can be one extreme or the other. Like maybe it's, maybe the main focus is on the Holy Spirit and then there's another over here that's only focused on like, you know, being very moral and making all the right decisions. And But to find that like either of those things, we can't, without the relationship, like that's where it all comes back to one, to one thing. Because if you camp out on either of those things alone, I don't think that you can really grow. It's when you have that relationship and then you add the Holy Spirit with that relationship, then all of a sudden now you see Peter getting up and having this boldness that just not very many days before that, he was the one saying, I don't know who this guy is. Right. And um, but he had three years of history with Jesus and, and we get to have that. And we don't have to have Jesus walking here um, side by side with us to be able to form that relationship. That's right. There's a third point to what you just said. There's the Holy Spirit led where where people focus on the experience. Right. And then there's the moralistic approach where you do what's right. And then there's the approach where they worship scripture, where they replace Holy Spirit with the Bible. The Bible was never meant to be a point of worship. The Bible was always meant to point us to Christ. But I've been involved in churches where they totally worshiped scripture. And it's kind of messed up when when you're that focused on one aspect of what God has done without Holy Spirit to interpret it. Yeah, and I think whichever rut we get stuck in, we are afraid of the other ones. Yes. (laughs) And it was something we were talking about Sunday in service was, you know, and John, because I was talking out of John uh, chapter 17, the prayer that Jesus prayed. That's what this cup, yeah. that's what this ministry is named after. Yeah. And so well, looking at that, when it talks about the word, like in verse 17 of chapter 17, that that word is, uh, that word logos. And it's talking about, it's basically Jesus. And in John one, uh, you know, there are the first five verses there. He was talking about the word. And if we don't have that as a reference for one, those verses can be confusing because if you try to read the first five verses and think that he's saying scripture when he's saying the word it's not going to make any sense it's not but if you look at that and realize that it's an active relationship and that's where i think it just goes back to relationship because um yes the scripture is huge in our lives it's a you know it's jesus expressing himself and seeing what that looked like seeing how god interacted with generations and people and all different scenarios and all like that. But without the relationship, um, 
I just, I don't think we can grow. I think we get stunned. It becomes religion. Yeah. That's what it becomes. And religion is dangerous. It is dangerous. And Jesus didn't have a whole lot of really happy things to say to about religion. He wasn't very very patient (laughs) with the religious people. And I've been one of those. Yeah. Me too. Me too. He was, and he, uh, he won me out of that. Yeah. I, uh, I, I transitioned from judge to a patrolman in theology police force to the grace police. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I've to, been there. <laughs> to just being, just resting in the relationship. Yeah. It feels really good, doesn't it? It feels really good because now I'm free to not have to worry about what you're going to say <laughs> because it doesn't matter. Holy Spirit, I I recognize the strength and the power of Holy Spirit in you, and I don't. And you're going to say what you hear. I don't have to correct it. Mm. I don't have to be super hypersensitive to the words. Mm, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've I find myself learning that recently. Um. So just back in the summer before our pastor passed away and knew that, you know, it was coming to an end, he approached me about becoming the pastor there. And I really felt like at that point, the Holy Spirit told me no. And looking back on it now, I realized that where my heart was at that point was I wanted to cram what the truth that I know down people's throat, change people. And through the the last whatever that's been nine months or whatever, I, I see that now my desire is to help people experience something that I've experienced and that it's not my job to change them. And um, it's actually not what, it's not what's effective. It's not because what you do is you teach reliance, self-reliance. If you can make a choice to do what's right, if you can make a choice to attempt to follow scripture, then it becomes about me, about what I can do, about what I'm doing. And what you just said is that the choice is to hear God, to hear Holy Spirit. And that's, that's, that's the place where we're free from religious activity where we're free from worrying that people are going to say it wrong, think it wrong, do it wrong, and walk down the wrong path. That's impossible because God is the one taking the steps. And I just can rest in that. One thing that I, I don't know, I I guess I have a passion for that is that when we start talking about hearing the Holy Spirit or things like that, um, I know for me, I got really frustrated, I guess, trying to learn that Mm -hmm. because I wanted it so bad. I wanted to experience it so bad. And I know there's a lot of people that are frustrated, like, oh, well, that's not fair. You know, the Holy Spirit talks to you, but doesn't talk to me and and all like that. And I I know it's it's frustrating and I don't want to ever paint a picture that it's just like, oh, yeah, I just always get this download on every little decision of life. I mean, I freak out about every decision and do all the normal human things. But I think that the freedom to hear the Holy Spirit really comes from, it comes from truth, learning God's heart for you, because the Holy Spirit's voice is totally different than 
the NMY's voice than the world's voice. And I, I cannot find this page that I used to have, and I wish I could, but it was a it was a page, and it just, on one side, it said what the Holy Spirit's voice sounded like, and the other said this is what the enemy's voice sounded like. And it was a really big thing for me when, when I first started wanting to know, like, all this stuff that's going on in my head, you know, how do I know what's what? And how do I know if the Holy Spirit's saying something? How do I know if I'm saying something? How do I know if the enemy's saying something? And it, it just had some very simple things like, God's voice is never condemning. You know, God's voice is always encouraging and uplifting and brings life. And um, God's voice will never bring, you know, is never shameful and it's never demanding. And then, you know, the opposite is, you know, the enemy's voice is is always condemning. It's always, um, you know, you need to do more, you know. And it was just this very simple list, but it was radical and helping me understand that most of the voices I was experiencing in my head were actually the enemy, but he would disguise it by being God's voice. Mm-hmm. So if I did something wrong, it was like, you knew better, you know, and da-da-da. And the way it was presented was it felt like it sounded like my voice. And then I I come to learn that that voice that I was hearing, I was like, no, it can't be because... This is what God's voice sounds like. And, you know, not to say that I don't sometimes walk in that, you know, those condemning thoughts sometimes now, but for the most part, they've gone away. I had an experience just this weekend. Um, where I, I'm dealing with a transition. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I want to get to a point where I'm counseling less and my focus is on um, the podcast part of what we do. Mm-hmm. And that, that's become my passion. And I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know how to do what I feel like God's calling me to. Right. And I hearing Holy Spirit sometimes is you just hear it. Right. And then sometimes you cry out in agony and you cry out in tears and desperation and, um, I think, I think what I want to call that is wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, wrestling with God is hugely important because I don't know if you wrestled in high school or ever wrestled with your brothers, <laughs> but you're in pretty close contact when right. you're wrestling and you can smell their breath and you can smell their sweat. And, and I think that's the point of not always knowing what God wants and not always um, being confident that what you're doing is what God wants because I don't know how you get that confidence other than through just um, spending time alone and crying out to him. Mm-hmm. What I've learned is that the thing he wants the most is dependence. Mm-hmm. And we are trained in our culture to be independent. Especially as men. As men. And I, I'm not, I'm, I want to be dependent on hearing God and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time questioning it. I'll, I'd rather get it wrong than to be paralyzed by the fear of right. getting it wrong. Cause that's, that's, that will freeze you in place. If you spend more time worrying about, well, was it me or was it God? I'm going to assume it's God. 
I'm going to move forward. And if it wasn't, then I get to backtrack a little bit and do it again. The good news is is I can't screw this up. I can't. Because if it could be screwed up, I would have been the guy who who had done it. But you can't screw this up. God is that in love with us, that patient with us, that engaged with us, that he continually trains us. And the word that the Bible uses for training is discipline. He's always disciplining me. And I'm sure you too, especially as a man who who gets up in front of people and delivers whatever message God has given to you. It requires dependence. Yeah, I think I've learned a lot about uh, discipline and having little ones. Oh, yes. Because, you know, I look at how why I do the things I do, why I tell them not to do the things I do. And you want to just, you want to just go, I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk here and make your life miserable, <laughs> but I know that if you hang out at the stove, you're going to get burned. You're going to get burned. And, um, you're you running know, out into the street. Yeah. You're going to get run over. Yeah. And they don't, they don't understand at that age. They, they just think, you know, I want to do this thing really bad and it's got to be the best thing in the world to do. Um, but you know, I, Sometimes you have to let them fail to, to learn something. Um, and I think Jesus watches us, and I don't think he looks at it as failure, but this is an opportunity to grow and to learn, and sometimes we, sometimes we have to do it the wrong way to figure that out. I know. I don't believe in failure. I, did, I believe in what you just said, opportunities to learn. Yeah. And it feels like failure, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. It does. It's not. Um, what do you want to leave my listeners with today? I think the thing that I'm just that I'm feeling right now is that that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you um, even if you don't sense it right now and even if you don't feel like you're hearing it God speaking because he always works and he's always communicating truth to us and sometimes that has to be through a person instead of oh you know I sense the Holy Spirit say this to me and um, you know God does that a lot of different ways you know I think even just the relationships people that I know like they don't all say well God speaks to me this one way you know sometimes you know it's through a sunset sometimes it's through answering a question that I have Sometimes it can be through scripture. Sometimes it can be through, um, you know, just sensing the love that somebody has for you. Um, so it's not a hocus pocus complicated thing as much as sometimes it feels hard um, when we're trying to learn what to discern what God's saying. And so I think that's just what I would want to encourage people with that the Holy Spirit is communicating with you and. Um, not to get so hung up on, oh, I, I know that I know this, but to, to know that God loves you and that he's constantly involved. And if we can start to open our eyes to the, the little things in life, um, how he's guiding the little things. I mean, I can think just like very practically in my business, like I like to beat myself up if I don't do my schedule just perfectly because, well, if I don't schedule it right and I don't get out and get the work done right, then we won't have the money and then my family will starve to death. You know I mean? That's just the thing I want to play through in my mind. But then so many times when I haven't been, you know, on my A game and had 
everything scheduled out right, God will just lay my day out. And or there'll be an opportunity there to spend some extra time talking to a customer and building a relationship that I didn't know was coming. And if I had had my day all scheduled up, I wouldn't have had the freedom to do that. And so just to realize that the Holy Spirit is involved like that, and that's that's him speaking. It's not just words. It's it's the expressions throughout your day and the, the things that he guides. So that would be my encouragement. Tell people um, if they want to join you on a Sunday morning, tell them how they can do that. Yeah, well, you can come hang out with us on Sunday mornings. It's the First Christian Church in Crescent, Oklahoma. Um it's not really that far from here. And um, we have church at 1030. There's breakfast at 9 if you like to eat before church. Sunday school classes you can go to. Um, and um, so I'm not a long preacher, so you don't have to worry about that. So <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's just because I'm green, but <laughs> it's going to be more short and sweet. But, yeah, yeah we love, we'd love people to come hang out. Good. Is there an address for Crescent? Do you know? <sighs> You know, I don't even know the address of the church. That's bad. It's Crescent, Oklahoma. It's not that hard to find. It's, yeah, not <laughs> no, that big a town. You can Google it. <laughs> First Christian Church, Crescent, Oklahoma. It's, yep. it's on Adam Street, I believe. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Clint, for taking the time to come talk to us. Enjoyed it. Um, Thank you for listening to us. Supposed to be music starting. Yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Yeah. If you would like to become an advertiser or support inside the man box, go to our website at oneness-ministries.org and click on a podcast and become a podcast part broadcast partner. You can contact me at rfry at oneness-ministries.org. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.